I am Groot. We're all Groot. I am Groot. Not in this movie. Not in that voice. It's more like <laughs> I am Groot. Um, if he just Hi, didn't... welcome to the Wages of Cinema. Uh, you're Andrew? Yeah. And that's Matt over there? Howdy's. I am Jack. And that was little baby Groot doing like a little... Ah, which I is... am Groot. Actually, that's Corey. Um, yes, welcome to this big, packed, guest-filled Wages of Cinema episode of where we are going to talk about The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I didn't know it had the the until the very end. Uh, yeah, that makes the that makes the difference in this one. No, but I I'm sure there will be people will nitpick. There will be people will be like, why didn't you have the the in the opening, and then when they show the title at the end, it's there. This movie was really good. This movie was a blast. Co-signed. Good and Corey. I am a puddle of joy from this movie. I don't even know how I'm going to articulate things over the course of this podcast, because I just want to go, squee, puddle, oh, goo, I am Groot, over and over and over again. Yes, and if you know what Corey... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we need thoughtful, critical analysis, not, oh, Groot's so cute. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I, I, I find Groot insatiably adorable and... Yeah, that, I guess that's the idea. Everybody's going to buy a Groot now. Sure. Jack's going to buy me a Groot. He said so. I hope they start selling Groots, like those old Garfield toys that you stick on the inside of your there was Well, there was a moment where they yeah, alluded that's why to I'm, that. That's why I'm saying that. They yeah. should totally do it. Yeah. People will buy them. Yeah. So. I, I'll just buy Groot action figures and dolls and stick stuckers on, suckers on them and sell them if Marvel won't do it. Stuckers? <laughs> stuckers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the things you put on the uh, windscreen shield. Yeah, like with Garfield. Right, yeah. stuckers. But, uh, yeah, I... This movie... Uh, well, let's get into it. Um, I... I uh, it, the thing that's really wonderful about this, this is written directed by James Gunn. Uh, he's now the solo writer. The last time he had a, a co-writer, I forget her Nicole name. Nicole Perlman. Thank you, Nicole Perlman. Uh, Thank God she's gone, right? Yeah. Girly things. Making the movie all girly. Meh. Ladies, Seriously, right? Like, this movie, I know. We know they're not funny. This movie... <laughs> The first movie was very funny. <laughs> yeah, but this one is definitely better written. In this terms is of funnier. Plot. This is funnier, and uh, yeah. Well, the plot. Well, the thing that I was telling Corey is that um, a problem sometimes with superhero movies. The reason why I think a lot of people get tired of superhero movies is because they don't really do the work on the characters. They do the work on the story, and even then, it can be really muddled and this all the sameness and the same things uh and sometimes they'll try to do okay here's the story and then we'll get to the characters later the characters will come second here i feel like the characters are really key and the story kind of comes out of that Mm. i don't know if that makes sense at all yes it does make sense Um, The, the plot comes out of the characters and what they want and what their desires are. Yeah, which is obvious filmmaking 101, but sometimes movies forget that. But it's, that. yeah, a lot of times movies forget that. <laughs> yeah. This movie does not. This movie has really wonderful characters that, um, you know, are they, do we suddenly see, oh my god, they've changed so wildly since the first movie? No, but they did the work on the characters in the beginning in the first movie to establish them, and here we get more good stuff with these characters yeah and everybody here had a purpose 
Yeah, even if, like, there might have been one or two characters that, small characters, that I didn't think were quite as strong as some of the other ones, but we'll get to that. That's not a major mark against this movie, but... Okay, um, so let's talk about the plot. Yeah, the plot is uh, Star-Lord, Gamora, is it Gamora? Gamora. That's at the, okay. Like the city. Yes. Uh, uh, slightly different spelling. Gamora, Rocket Raccoon, Baby Groot. Uh, Drax and uh, they—they're—they uh, they get into a thing with these golden people. What were they called? Sovereigns. That yes, the sovereigns. And uh, Rocket. Uh, Rocket steals a bunch of their stuff. They try to get it back. They crash land. But then Peter Quill's father, Ego, saves them. Yes, he. And he, that starts the adventure. Yes. Um, and I had no idea what this was going to be about. Yes, I Even didn't either. I knew Kurt Russell was going to be it, and then they have that scene in the trailer where it says, I'm your dad. Well, yeah, I, I knew that. I, was, I didn't know it, that was going to be such a big part of the plot. And I liked that a lot. I, you know, Sometimes a movie will give away a little too much of its story in a trailer. This didn't do that. It just showed, here's if you go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, you're going to get lots of fun things with these characters. You're going to get things like Rocket and Star-Lord arguing over who has tape. And, you know... <laughs> Don't press the button, you know, and things like that, that. That was the only thing you could count on from the trailer. Yeah, but you, that's what I was sold anyway. I was going to go see this movie. I'm sure the people who who saw the first movie would see this one. I mean, maybe you had a, a couple of people who didn't see the original, and then that trailer maybe sold them on seeing the first. And then they did what every this. good trailer does nowadays. They said it to classic oldies which by the way that <laughs> song was not in the uh in the movie which song rats on the run oh fox on the run no fox that, wasn't, that song wasn't in there yeah although uh, okay the, down two stars <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but the thing is to me yeah there is a story here and there's actually i feel like a really good uh message at the core of the movie i know that sounds like, like a strange thing considering don't that trust anybody no, well, yeah, well, that, that. Well, also, um, if uh, we may have, you may have your differences with your friends or slash family, uh, but you have to come together when you are facing a legitimate threat. I'm glad I don't have to rely on my family to, fu to fight legitimate threats. <laughs> <laughs> also, dads are bad. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... I, that that is a message that is not necessarily new. Um, if what anything, do you think about a... that subject, Corey? <laughs> I'm sorry, you've been leaving me out of this. Well, I got enough dads are bad from Lost to last me for the entire rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> and we're still kind of getting, you know, and Star Wars is nothing but dads are bad. I don't think this movie. Parental absence is and parental dysfunction is a staple of these films, but oh, yeah. I don't think hmm. yeah, I don't think um, it felt generic, which is good because it's a very common trope. I mean, there mm. are no there are no movies where people have living parents who they have functional relationships with in these fantastical films so well, it, it, at least well compare it to something like thor where you know you have uh thor and he has problems with his dad that felt a little bit more on the generic side compared to this well, maybe, that's because the thor movies are pretty 
thin in their writing. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> with even this one, it helps, too, sometimes if you get really good casting. And having Kurt Russell is a major, major thing. The first time in a long time that a major actor used in a Marvel film was not underutilized. Hmm, I don't know about that. It's been a while. What was the last Marvel film to come out, Matt? Last Marvel film? Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you had Mads Mikkelsen in that, who was just kind of... I yeah. thought he was used pretty well. Yeah, but he, was, but he wasn't playing a very interesting character. He I, had a this couple character, moments. Yeah, no, this Kurt, one is... Kurt Russell playing Ego is, is magnificent. He feels like a three-dimensional character, and there's more about him that we can't talk about right now yeah we'll talk about later certainly much better utilized than lee pace and guardians oh my god well it it, you know what it's it's because ego is made of presence he lives up to his name yeah (laughs) yeah he comes into a into a scene and he's just like i'm ego and it's like yeah i'm awesome yeah and you know again it's kurt russell you you can't not like kurt russell that it's a brilliant brilliant casting move it's one of the smarter moves that marvel has done in uh in quite a while he really shook the pillars of heaven that day <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that the thank you matt yes, oh uh, i see yeah because he's a god um but as he says a god with a lowercase g a huh. celestial ah yeah yeah so he's not a god like thor is that right matt Thor's uh, not really a god in this. It's complicated. So Comics yeah. are weird. Well, that yeah. reminds me of the time that uh, Corey's dad, who I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, loves to tell the story about how, when he was a kid, he actually wrote to Marvel Comics. Uh, and this is in the 60s. And he, uh, probably not too soon after Thor first came out, and actually complained to them about how... Thor didn't line up with actual Greek mythology. Norse mythology. North Norse mythology, sorry. And, like, <laughs> if you're complaining about how Marvel doesn't match up to real mythology... And Marvel said, no one will ever complain in this fashion again. <laughs> <laughs> Go away, Trash bin. Um, But, yeah, no, the, the story, it it's about the characters more so than... There is a plot. There is. And there are, there's certainly a subplot as well, because... Uh, Rocket Raccoon gets it has into plot, his own thing. It has a subplot. Yeah. It's got characters in it. But you're interested... And it's all well put together. Yeah, I mean, well, there's the main plot, which takes place on Ego, and then you have a subplot, which involves Rocket Raccoon, and uh, Michael Rooker returns as... Uh, oh, what was his name? Yondu Udanta. Yondu... <laughs> what was his last name? Yondu Udanta. Oh, okay. Now, that sounds like a Star Wars name. Uh, yeah, he, he returns, and he's in the subplot. Um... And that's all you need. It's not too complicated. You know, you don't get confused, but like how we did in like Batman v Superman or thrown real crap like in Suicide Squad. Just keeps it simple. Yeah, I think you really nailed it when you said the drama emanates from the characters rather than the characters reacting to drama in their external environment. It's not a... I respond to my environment, I chase a magic object, I do this. I don't, I, it's not I try to kill a monster because it's trying to do these things. Yeah. The, it's all very personal. And also it takes, it, it has little moments where it can take some time to build, just have little character moments. Like, uh, so Ego has a 
you know, he's on. He's basically he is the planet. We should explain what he's ego a consciousness is. who's created a planet around himself. That's right. Yeah, it, it, that's the one thing about uh, these movies that uh, you do have to accept that there is a lot of weirdness. Oh, but this is the perfect place to put that weirdness. Exactly. I yeah. mean, it, it's 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 a movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, with it a character better be, who... there better be some some way out stuff in this because if there isn't, this is a very disappointing galaxy. Yes, <laughs> that we're guarding here. This is a galaxy that includes Howard the Duck. Let me put it that way. Howard... <laughs> and this isn't a spoiler. Howard the Duck makes another appearance. He he appeared at the very end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy as just like a cameo for people who want. His character in this film is not important. No. Did that thrill you, Matt, to see him? I was very thrilled to see Howard again. Thr- was it as thrilling as seeing Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> um, no, Howard was more thrilling. All right. Yeah. I'm well, glad to know that Sylvester Stallone can cram one whole movie's worth of bad acting into the approximately two minutes of speech he has. It was okay. That's right. I continue my vendetta against Sylvester Stallone. As fantastic as this movie was, he managed to give deliver his lines like the brain-damaged steroid abuser we know he is. <laughs> wow. I think you're being a little tough on Sylvester. Yeah, Stallone. I was going to say. Not, not that the man needs protecting. The man's he, made mistakes. But, you know. The movie didn't ask him for a lot. And by the way, you're the one that saw Creed and thought he was fine. Uh, <laughs> by, by the very low standards I used to judge Sylvester Stallone. I was using the soft bigotry of low expectations. Mm. I have a good question. Um, maybe this is for Matt. Now, James Gunn, he posted like a picture of himself in the cast. Of, Here's everybody at the premiere, and you know Sylvester Stallone was there. And in like the little in the post, he put the characters' names, but he left Sylvester Stallone's name out. Is it really a, a spoiler to say who his character's name is? I don't think so. So do you want me to say his name? Yeah, it's not important to the plot of this yeah. movie. He so just has a random a name. No, he's not a random name. Oh, is oh, do, would, so comic fans would know who he is? Only if you're a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. So, what is the name? The name His name is Starcar, but he's better known as Starhawk. Starhawk. Okay. He's Starhawk not, is a much better name. Yes, it is. And he's an original Guardians of the Galaxy member as are oh. a bunch of other people that have cameos in this. oh okay, so oh so a... so when they had there's a scene i and won't say what it is but near the very end where yes, they show a bunch are, of people those are supposed to be specific marvel characters at the end oh okay i figured I, that by the fact that they were all together and saying we should do stuff to get well well not even that but whoops. also that you had certain <laughs> famous actors playing these people and my thought of that was well obviously this is the one moment where we get to know Okay, they're setting this up for the next Marvel movie. But this movie didn't have... One thing I also appreciated, I don't know how you guys felt. This I think what, what was really good about this was that sometimes we can we can we have the complaint with, so, with other Marvel movies where, all right, we feel like this is where we're setting up things that will happen the next time, or we have to do this now with the Infinity Stones, whatever. This movie didn't have too much of that. This was free of Marvel movie baggage. Yeah, it was Relatively just about these free. characters. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. That It did feel like it expanded on the last movie, though. It just wasn't treading water until the next installment or anything like that. Like, sometimes you get in a, another Marvel sequel that they'll just be like, this is a thing that happened, and go see the next one. This one actually feels like its own story, mm-hmm. that is in its own mythos. That even if you didn't watch any other Marvel movies, you could go Guardians 1, 
Guardians Volume 2 and say, oh, yes, this I like Guardians of the Galaxy doing Guardians of the Galaxy things. I don't need to see any other Marvel <laughs> to get this. Well, well, no, but... Yeah, but, but, that's, but like, that's a good point. Yeah, but, but in the first movie, it felt like there was a little bit more than... There, in there's more one. in that, but even if you don't... You don't have to necessarily have seen the other things to know who that's Thanos true. is. Because, like, okay, Thanos is a bad guy, and there's a MacGuffin, which is an Infinity Stone. But if you don't know the Infinity Stone, just know that it's a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah no, that, 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 that's, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, Marvel seems to be doing much better on sequels than it is on first movies. Oh, because of uh, when we did our Doctor Strange review? Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is a good movie. Y'all are crazy. I like Doctor Strange as well. Um, I know you do. I was a little... I was on a high cloud. If you go back and listen to our review of that... You were spellbound by the visuals of that film. I was, and I still am. Quite rightly so. Yeah, I, when I look back on it now, it was maybe even just like a couple days later, I realized, yeah, there are... Some, Andrew oh, was no. right. Yes. <laughs> Bow to Andrew. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, no. There, there were... It was familiar in some ways. Um, now, with the sequels, we could say that I mean, Thor The Dark World was not that good. No, but the Thor movies... Well... Both of them have been just kind of mad. Although Ragnarok looks pretty promising. No, well, it looks hella good. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Nerd. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you can watch these, but yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, Thor's sending Skywater against us now. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it, you probably, I don't know if you can hear, but yeah, there's kind of a thunderstorm out there right now. Yeah, Thor was upset. Um... But yeah, it's just these move these two movies. They show all you need is just really good characters, and everybody is well defined, and they have a, a good, unique voice to them. Um, Everyone is necessary to the plot. Yes, not everybody gets the same amount of screen time, but still, the screen time they get matters. They're even it, characters yeah. like Mantis. Yes, <laughs> who is who? I think is more adorable than Baby Groot. I don't know about that. No, she, I do. I do you think get, she's. I, is it, I do you love think her. that she? Do you think she? Well, you know what was adorable about her is just. At first, you kind of. There are moments here's where what's you, adorable about her. She her has eyes, giant anime eyes. Oh my god, those eyes are so cute. But like the thing that made me go aw was like so occasionally they'll make a joke about her, and you'll just they'll cut to a shot of her where she'll make like this little face like you hurt my feelings, and it's in like a very genuine way, but it's. In a way that is very cute, in an anime kind of way. I did find Mantis very cute. I didn't find her Baby Groot level cute, but I still found her I very could cute. Say, maybe Baby Groot... He, there's a period where I was like, okay, you are very cute. Baby Groot when was you, there for comic relief. Yeah. Which was excellent. He becomes... like He's very cute when you first see him. He's kind of cute for the middle part. He becomes especially cute in the climax. And then there's the middle part where he's just disturbing his hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um, there was one support. There was one supporting character that I was fine with her in this movie, maybe even more than in the other one. But I thought that Nebula. her arc, yeah, Nebula was maybe my least favorite part of the movie. I don't know how you felt. Now again, she is ultimately useful, at, like you said, with the, as the other characters. I don't know if. Her arc involving Gamora and, you know, their sister rivalry. I, I, you have to have it in there because it involves the family theme. Yeah. But how it 
how she develops and, and that story is resolved, it was just a little weak. I thought yeah. that it was nice that they did expand upon that from the first one because that was sort of one of the things that was rushed in the first to introduce all the characters, and now that they have those characters established, adding that little background snippet really makes their dynamic pop more. And no, th their dynamic is pops, but it's just how she develops felt a little weak. I, I said... That is the one element of the film that feels generic to me, the Nebula-Gamora relationship. Because from the minute Nebula is introduced in the film, you know exactly where that train is headed. You know from minute one, every single beat their relationship is going to take. Did you know but, but specifically also I... about the specific child abuse that they were going to reveal? Did, I thought that they kind of revealed that in the first yeah. one. Like, I kind of assumed that they were both treated horribly as children of uh, Thanos. Yeah, but, but they yeah. add an extra wrinkle into this. I don't know if I should save that for the spoiler system. Yeah, uh, when they explain well, something they about that. Okay, uh, leave out the specifics, but, you know, you can keep talking. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't want to go too specific, but I thought that it, they, they added a wrinkle to it that made it more interesting to me, at least. It's not... Is it the most developed subplot in this entire thing? No. But... Uh, but they make the most of that character. And you're getting... Well, no. They don't make... They don't Let me try that again. <laughs> that character is still as useful. Nebula... You're never sitting yeah. there wondering why is she yeah. here. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I didn't mean that... Like, It's not like her plotline, oh my god, this is so bad, this derails the movie. It's still okay. It's just everything else in the movie, I think, was so up here, and then Nebula was a little bit more... Eh, I know you can't see me doing, like, up and down motions, but you kind of get what I mean. Yeah, I found her utilitarian more than anything else. That's a good she fit. She, she and Gamora's subplot fit... Their relationship fit well into the theme. It, uh, it was a sort of a loose end that they tied up from the, from the first it, film. It, it was, sets up it was some so, future you know, prospects. It, is, it, was, it, it was something that felt like, you know, again, a lot of this, as uh, awesomely funny as this movie is, and I have to emphasize, I was laughing a lot during this movie. Yes. This could be, I'd have to think back, but this could be the funniest Marvel movie. You know what this is? This is the Marvel movie with the most, with, uh, what I'm going to say is going to sound really lame. Okay. It's the Marvel movie with the dirtiest mouth. <laughs> well, well, the first movie, the first Guardians had a pretty dirty mouth. You know, you I have don't remember like, you them have saying a, penis in the first one. You well, have, well, no, no, the, the first movie, you have a joke that involved, you know, this is a movie released by Disney that they're, yeah. that, you know, and the first movie had a joke that involved, like, jizz on, like, on, like a blanket. Like, you know, they had the joke about Peter Quill, like, says, like, uh, if you put a black light in my room, uh, that's a very indirect. No, like that, people Hall can get painting. that. <laughs> yeah, that was the joke, and that's like, wow, that was a Disney movie. That's ballsy. Yeah, this does build upon that. You that, do have, but the, that's that's still that's still many many layers removed from. Ah, I just said penis in a Disney movie. I mean, but penis yeah. is a biological aspect of it. Yeah. Know, like, oh yeah, that's so. why people <laughs> use it in films all the time. Exactly. But that's well, why it's, it's, every... this is a PG thirteen. It wasn't. It's not like considered Parents a should curse know. word. Yeah, I know. I just, I, um, I'm just saying. Think of how many movies where they've said the word penis. A lot. I'm thinking. Okay. I mean, directly the word penis. That were PG. I still don't get how that exchange is dirtier 
than a jizz joke. Yeah, the jizz joke really took me for a loop, and I found that very funny, but also it's like, damn, this, that movie went there. This movie, I don't know, quite has that moment, but, it, you know, it, it, it it's not... Maybe it it's just have... that a lot of Marvel movies have had sort of a minimum on... on uh, have, have kind of a lid on how dirty their language gets. I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's yeah. actually a great well, thing. Well, it, it adds to the edge. The, right. this, you know, the, these two movies, and especially this one, there's a nice edge to it. And they are um, actually part of... They're not just, like, out... Someone threw them out there. They're part of really good jokes another thing that i should mention now a tiny nitpick the climax without saying too much what happens i started to feel a tiny bit of the quote-unquote bloat that maybe there but that was offset by just how weird the climax is yeah i mean the situation is it's pretty i mean it's it's pretty far removed from anything we've seen so far in in in, the, in this Marvel universe, and again, there are, there are weird things in the first one too. But the, 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 what some of the details but you involved... get where, where everybody is and what they're doing. Yes. there's nothing confusing about it. Yes. What I also like about this movie is it carries on the tradition of the previous Guardians of the Galaxy and having lots and lots of vibrant colors in it. Like, yes. this is a movie with so many rainbows in it. You can't believe yeah. how many rainbows are just flashing across the screen for no, like, specific reason. Just colors everywhere. It's so gorgeous. And it's such a nice respite from other movies that say... We must be all gray. brown. We must be all blue. <laughs> well, it's we must like, be all gray. Well, well, we just you know I, I just saw another commercial the other day for uh, Wonder Woman, which is coming out, uh, you know, in about a month, and uh, you know I'm I'm hoping that is not as problematic as the other DC movies, but it still has that color issue where everything looks really gray and not very popping out and you know it's a comic well, book could, movie that could serve that story better i mean we're talking about mm -hmm. we're talking about a story that takes place on a on world war one battlefield no, but i mean even on, wonder woman uh, but i don't I, but like you know in, in these movies where it, they mute the colors like it felt like wonder woman is still doing that right to a degree but there may be a creative reason for them doing that Maybe not a good one. Maybe, <laughs> but we haven't seen it yet. We're gonna, we're gonna. No, we're gonna I know, I know. That. But I'm just saying, in relation to that, but James, he, James Gunn and his artistic team are really smart. To all right, we have outer space. We have like, for example, just it, when the characters first go on ego. Oh my god, it's so pretty. Yeah, I know. I don't have anything else to say. It looks almost like when you picture those. Uh, book covers like science fiction book covers or something but it looks much better it's made of prog rock <laughs> yes <laughs> yes another good soundtrack as well for this movie when i left this movie i turned to jack and i said this is such a joyous experience because the film is so consistently funny and i'm not talking funny like you think to yourself hmm that's clever i mean really laugh out loud funny pretty much consistently throughout the whole film. And then you, so you've got all this wit and humor and you've got, as Matt mentioned, that really gorgeous visual palette. Now, I think it's really impressive that the movie can be so upbeat and so joyous and just like a hug personified on screen. And yet 
it still can hit dramatic beats. Yes, it it still has a dramatic core. The uh, without again not saying too much yet. The relationship between uh, Peter and Ego are is really solid. Yeah. Um, you know there are other relationships too that are built upon. Uh, uh, you know we, when we mentioned uh, Gamora and her sister. Also, you have in this movie Star Lord and Gamora. Um, and then, you know, Drax also gets to have some time because he, I don't know, do you think that they were teasing, like, that he and, uh, uh, Mantis will become, get a relationship? Maybe. Mm. Maybe not. They, they, I don't know, it, I feel like it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these relationships start with, like, people teasing each other, and I don't know if Drax has that capacity. I feel like we're the Marvel equivalent of, like, the gossip column. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm getting off track I here. do not ship it. <laughs> <laughs> well... Oh, also a couple other little things. Sean Gunn's in the movie. He is. Um, Who's Sean Gunn? He was the... Craglin. Uh, yeah, he was the guy under Michael Rooker. Okay, but who is Sean Gunn? He's the brother of the director and the writer, James Gunn. He oh, played right. Kirk in the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, and the thing that uh, I... Television is meaningless. He was in... <laughs> Get out of my house! <laughs> Suddenly you've made a lot of villains, Andrew. You know how the internet works. Get prepared to be spammed. Uh no, no, yeah, he he was the guy who was like uh Michael Rooker's underling on okay. the ship. Uh, he was in this movie we saw the Belco experiment. Did you ever see that? No. Yeah. What other movies did he been Romeo in? Romeo and Juliet. Oh, he was in that? Yes. He was one of the no. gangbanger guys. Oh, like, okay. He gets, he gets like horribly killed, and like he's like brain damage, and during the I think there's a car okay. scene. He's also in Super. Also gets a violent death in Super. Nice. Um, well, I was okay, about to say cool. though, for you Gilmore Girls fans out there, now I'm I'm not like a Gilmore Girls aficionado by any means, but I live in a house where the lady happens to be a big Gilmore Girls aficionado, and now I've seen She's a number the third of episodes. The thing that I thought, Matt and Corey, could this just be Kirk? In space. Yes. Because, yes. <laughs> like, on Gilmore Girls, his character uh, just performs any random um, number of odd, odd jobs. And he just will do, he'll be working at something, and then a week later he'll be doing something else without any explanation. So I have to wonder if that was, uh, aside from James Gunn and nepotism, uh, which is, this is good nepotism. Uh, yeah. You're good nepotism. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> You're um, so I, don't I just know. felt it had to be said. So I don't know if we should wrap up yeah, our general let's, thoughts. Let's wrap up general thoughts and we'll move into the spoiler corner. This was one of the better Marvel movies. That's my initial reaction. That could change. I do not have... You know, I, I almost, as far as maybe comparing it to the first movie, I almost feel like it could be on par. I don't know, like... Maybe possibly better. This is better than the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, certainly, certainly in, in in terms of the antagonist. Uh, it, yeah, not just better. It's one of the best Marvel movies. This film, I think, uh, captures some of that same energy uh, as the, the original Avengers did. Mm, yeah, the first Avengers. I mean, uh, it's it has that same sort of scale and that same sort of urgency to it. Uh, and I really think that uh, this film is going to be up there with. It's not as I don't. I personally don't think it's as good as Avengers. Avengers was awesome. Or the first Iron Man. Well, I think it's well. I haven't thought about that. Okay. But uh, this one is pretty high up there in terms of Marvel films. If you if you if 
you're still if you're somehow on the fence about this whole Marvel thing, uh, give it a, give it another shot. It's worth watching the first Guardians of the Galaxy to see this too. Yes, if if for nothing else, Tori. I would definitely. I loved this movie. I would say. I liked it better than the first one. The only thing I'll say in defense of the first one is I only saw it the one time I saw it in the movie theater. So obviously a movie that I've just walked out of is a lot fresher in my mind than a movie I saw when did the first one come out? Three years ago. Three years ago and only three years ago. I liked the first one a lot. I was a big fan of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I would say this one is even better. Yeah, the same with me. I haven't seen the first one in a while, but that, yeah, it, it certainly has you know not as many of the flaws a lot better things with the characters you know what this means this means ant-man 2 might be pretty good <laughs> depending on who's making it all right matt yeah so this was a damn delightful movie just from start to end like even the credits were so joyous and got me pumped up and happy to have been a part of this. And you have to stay through all five end credit things, by the way. It's uh, not as laborious as it sounds, Yeah, but, but no... I, you were going to sit through the credits anyway. This is still pretty good. But yeah, so this is, like, probably one of, like, the best sequels I've seen. Because, like I said, it builds upon stuff from the first movie. But it doesn't feel like it's really just reusing things and going to the motions. It feels new and expansive, and taking the story further, and the characters further, and everything feels richer, and just a really wonderful experience to be a part of. So, go see that movie. Right on! Yeah, we All recommend right. it. And, uh, and just before we get into spoilers, uh, if you're not going to listen onward, uh, make sure you can check us out, wagescinema at gmail.com. Uh, that's our email. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And you can check out Matt where? At mattthecatania.wordpress.com, where I write a weekly blog about esoteric nerd stuff. Esoteric? Sure. Do you come up with that word? Not no. esoteric? 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 It's esoteric. It's the same Read word. Read just... for the thoughts, not for this pronunciation. <laughs> yes, and most likely Matt will have, uh, he'll, he'll go deeper on some of his thoughts about the movie as well. Uh, so if you want, do you call this podcast the Wages of Cinema? <laughs> Indubitably, so you should start using that word though. It would set you apart. I mean, if you said esoteric, I would, I would at least understand. I mean, this is why my blog is not a podcast because I could actually show off my bizarre pronunciation. I, I of like penguin. <laughs> I am sympathetic. That's, uh, that's a mixture between a penguin and, and a paquin. Because I <laughs> mispronounce names and words like it's my job. Okay, enough of the guest chatter. We've got to move right. on to. Okay, okay. So to, uh, if you want to have uh, spoiler spoilers. time, if you've seen the movie, pa uh, or if not, pause here, wait until you come back. All right. First, you flick this switch, then this switch. That activates it. Then you push this button, which will give you five minutes to get out of there. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button, because that will set off the bomb immediately, and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back what I just said. I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. That's right. I'm good. No! Now that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. Hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. I am Groot. No! That's exactly what you just said! How is that even possible? Which button is the button you're supposed to push? Point to it. No!
And we're back. Okay. All right. What other words do you mispronounce, Corey? Oh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> well, we could have a word podcast at some point. I miss. I'm. I'm trying to remember one off the top of my head, but I can't. I mispronounce words and I mispronounce names a lot, which is a problem when you have a job that involves both reading people's names off a roster every I, single day. I'm and sure that you have a name too, that Birch enough. Don't use my last name on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. And then uh, it's... I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Hubree. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh back to Gardens of the Galaxy. What is this movie good for? <laughs> <laughs> Were you trying to set something up there and you couldn't No, I, I was trying to think of a, of a legitimate question to ask, but I uh ah, this movie answers None of this is going already. into the Okay, all right, no all right. no 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 no. But so, is this movie good at doing what? I don't know. Uh, I love the scene where Groot is trying to get things and doesn't get any of them right. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> well. what happens is there's a scene where, never mind how exactly, but Rocket and uh, Michael Rooker end up in a jail cell, and Groot is on the outside and can try to get a replacement for uh, Michael Rooker's, the thing that's on his head, and... He keep, you know, there's a great gag that goes on where he goes, back, everybody else is asleep. He goes and brings back, uh, you know, a desk. He goes and brings back uh, a pin. He this comes is... and, go, he, and then he brings back somebody's toe. Here's something I just thought of. <laughs> that was an amazing. Yes. Uh, Yondu needs this fin on his head. Yes. The, to uh, to control the arrow, but apparently he controls it with his heart. As huh. he says at the end. It's a metaphor! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was wondering, since now we're in Spoiler Corner, when first you were thinking about this, I thought, I was like, you know, I don't know if I have any thoughts about this film that I need to share in Spoiler Corner specifically. But I was wondering if anyone would be interested in psychoanalyzing the Kurt Russell character in more detail. Well, he is a character named Ego. I think well, let's let's just get this out of the way. Ego ends up being kind of the, the villain, villain of the movie, definitely the. But villain. what I, but what I loved about the movie is, you don't know for sure. Like when he first came into the movie, I I didn't really have the thought. Oh, this is definitely going to be the villainous presence. Once they, I mean, there is a point where uh, Mantis then says, "I need to talk to you," and of course they leave that in the air because they can't do that story wise. They'll come back to it later. Then I thought, oh, okay. But they didn't make it where you knew right away. That's a difference, a very key difference between something like this and the first Guardians, where the minute you see Lee Pace, okay, he's the villain, or or Malekith and Thor, or, you know, etc. His name is Ego the Living Planet. Of course he's the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. No, I... He's planting strange, weird fruit I, things there, on Earth. There is a certain... He's like Genghis Khan. There is a certain degree of <laughs> ambiguity about him, because he's, he's so charming. He's planting his seed everywhere. He, he's so charming, and he's it's so... It's a pre-existing condition, Jack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's so charming, and he's played by Kurt Russell, and he, and he comes back, and he says... He's Peter Cole's long-lost father, who's been looking for him. All of that is great. But then, as the film goes on, you're like, well, someone has to be the villain. If you use your movie brain, eventually you'll figure it out. It's him. No, no, no. But they but still, it's... but that still emerges in a very organic way. 
where it's not just like he's not just like laughing behind the. It's curtains. a good <laughs> distinction between other Marvel villains. It's a kind of similar, like you know, even though when, for example, uh, not quite the same way, but like when you watch Civil War, like the villain of that movie is you know the, the the change that they made to that that was interesting yeah as soon as you see zemo you know he's the villain but he's not this all-powerful being but you he's don't just under- he's just a guy you don't yeah and you don't understand what his plan is until until much later yeah by the way second marvel film to use to uh make characters angry over people killing their mothers <laughs> but, um, i just i was really happy too that in all the stuff they just had you know uh, Kurt Russell in like wearing normalish clothes, and I was really upset because he's an eagle of the living planet. I'm like, are they not gonna make him a planet? And I was really concerned about that. But then they said, yes, he is a planet, definitely early on, and they had a shot of actually his face on the planet. So I yeah. was pleased by that that they went full yes. ego. Yeah. I just really appreciate villains that self perceive as heroes. And you can understand why they do that. Because as villainous as the Kurt Russell character is, you can understand how a creature of awesome power and total isolation becomes convinced of his own need to control the entire universe. So I... That's that's what I like out of villainy. I like at I like a villain where you can where the so the villain self perceives as heroic, where he sees himself as the hero of his own story. Mm. And I like stories about villains where you, the audience, can understand why this person sees himself as a hero. And I mean Kurt Russell, he creates life. Yeah. He creates beautiful, lush, gorgeous life. But when that life does not meet his own exacting standards, he snuffs it out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you also see I we're able to see him as villainous too once we figure out yeah, he's been he's been he's been conceiving all these children and when they don't do the and yeah, exactly what you said. When they don't meet meet his standards, they, he he basically just kills them. And in, in a sense, that you know, you have to like when we go into psychoanalyzing mode. Like, yes, yeah, Star Lord was the one that worked out, but you know, it could have just as well have been somebody else. That's uh, yeah, yeah. You know. And I thought, Jack, you made an astute comparison. When you compared, when you actually referenced Doctor Manhattan to me, when we were I, talking I was, about this I, one on one, I was kind of make well, I. I thought well, that, I thought I kind of made the joke to you when we were watching the movie. Yeah, and I thought it was really good because, I mean, the Watchmen deal so well with Doctor Manhattan's alienation from humanity because he's so much more powerful. Yeah. Than everyone yeah. else is. And then the thing about, that's interesting about Ego though is he starts out alienated, and then once he tries to connect with people, he finds them. Or life yeah. in general, he's disappointed. Yeah, he uses that exact word. That's just so disappointed. So it's only about me. He solips is an incarnate. <laughs> I think it, not that this means, not that I'm finding any deep truth in this, but I do find it 
worth mentioning that he took the time to have sex with every kind of being he could find. <laughs> You've got millions of years to fill. What and, else is he And plus, do? you're Kurt Russell. You know, Just who's going to turn that down? <laughs> Kurt Russell's hair is so immaculate oh, for God. an elderly gentleman. Oh, man. Like, when I saw see him in this and, like, The Hateful Eight, I'm just like, man, you're just showing so, off. So much virility. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... So you, you believe that he could impregnate beings across the galaxy. Yes. I'm assuming Kurt Russell is about my father's age around. Yeah. Is that well, accurate? we could find out how old Kurt Russell is. I'm sure it's around this. Um, he, he's, he's up in years. But, man, there's something about him. Yeah, so... I think it's the hair. Watch it, Jack. <laughs> Don't but, let uh, Kurt Russell yeah. anywhere near this place. <laughs> yeah, but, um... What else? Um, uh, oh, my, oh, can I just bring up Michael Rooker and how he's one of the best things about this movie? He is. Definitely. He is so... And, like, we talk about building upon things from the previous film. That is maybe the strongest example of that because his character in the first movie... He almost seemed like kind of like a sub threat. He was not the Lee Pace character, but he was this character who, you know, again, he, he picks up uh, Peter Quill when he's a little kid, pulls him up in the spaceship. He's supposed to give him to Ego, but he doesn't. We find that, that later. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that becomes its own kind of story element. But I just love just Michael Rooker in this movie. Well, he's just so great in this character. M- Michael Rooker's great, and his character, Yondu, has to step up. Because he is yes. the antithesis to ego, mm. he 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 is, he is ego's foil. Can I talk about something In though his... that I don't know? That's not exactly a problem, but something that I did observe: how at the end they totally pull a Wrath of Khan. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like he was just missing the live long and prosper behind the plain vest. <laughs> like they have like the just like the there was like a shot of his body. Going into like the does he get burned? No, they cremated. Okay, okay, okay. Because he goes into this thing and it's almost like he's cremated by rainbow colors, yeah, which is kind of interesting. Space flames. Yeah, he's he's cremated by fruity pebbles. Um, (laughs) But um, but the one shot looked exactly like the shot of Spock's coffin going away, and I almost expected like, is Peter Quill gonna say, among those I've known, he was the most (laughs) human. (laughs) <laughs> Among those I've known, he was the most blue. <laughs> Corey, he was blue. <laughs> Abu Di Abu Dai. Sorry, that's your nineties Okay, if but, he was green, he would but die. he was amazing. Like that is, I think it's because he was such a good example of that, as far as kind of building upon what we saw, what we see in the first movie, and then seeing it pay off so well here. That's why I think that maybe the stuff with uh, Nebula fell a little flat, even though it still worked. I think the problem with Nebula is that Nebula is basically an accessory to Gamora, and Gamora is kind of the least interesting member of the Guardians. So well, this she, as a result, kind of doesn't this, have enough spark. I, I could say, really, in this, she is probably one of the least interesting characters. Because Drac, uh, Drax does so much in his in his di- you know, not in his dialogue with Mantis and, and, and that relationship, and then you have Rocket and and uh, damn it, Yondu. Yeah, and you know you have Ego and now this a, isn't a, to say that Peter she Quill, is... and, and then you have to you have to pair Gamora up with with, uh, with Nebula, and it does it's 
it suffers by comparison to everything else. Yeah, it's well, it's also because I'm not gonna say everybody is comic relief, but she's the one character who does have to play everything straight. She's yes. that. She's the part. You know, sometimes in. Uh, like in in thick, you know, sometimes in groups, whether it's like Ghostbusters or Ninja Turtles or the Avengers, you have that character who's in that paradigm that has to be the straight person. Like in Avengers, it's Captain America, so she's a little bit like the Captain America of the group. But Captain America is usually offset by other characters who he interacts with pretty well. I mean, in Civil War, he had to he had to pair up against Stark. Oh no no no, he and becomes in, much in more Winter interesting Sol- based on the characters he's with. But, but yeah, yeah, but I the but you. the fact that Captain America is a straight man in that it doesn't diminish his character. Yeah. Right. It's just uh, I think maybe in a film that deals a lot more in humor, Gamora has to play that role, and it's it, and in comparison to everyone else, it's kind of thankless. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of calling it. I mean, everyone else gets to make the trash panda jokes, the sensitive nipple jokes, <laughs> the ongoing... I mean, Drax is a walking, talking, punchline he's, machine. Drax is kind of an asshole in this yeah. movie. He really is. But, it's, <laughs> it's but he's amazing. a funny one. But it's only because that character is set up to where he doesn't understand things like sarcasm and discretion. And uh, but, but he just, speaks yeah. literally what's on his mind in the most frank way he can. That's the, the way his character has been set up. Which ironically makes him kind of endearing. Yeah. I, he, he says things that we would consider inappropriate, but he says them because they're his honest thoughts. Yeah. Um, another thing is that if you're a fan of Farscape, Ben Browder is in this for a little mm. bit, so check that I out. I thought a lot about Farscape. Who's Ben Browder? This. Ben Browder is John Crichton, and he played the assistant to Aisha in this. The guy who was like, you know, Who's Aisha. Aisha is Elizabeth Debicki, the golden. Okay. Woman. Yeah, some of the golden actors seem familiar. Like the main gold chick. God damn, I'm, I'm I I'm pissing off quite, so many. Guys. Yeah, who was the main gold? She Elizabeth so Debicki. Okay. And where has she been before? She's been in the Night Manager and um, oh. the what was the the Man from Uncle? And, oh, okay. uh, she was in something else too, wasn't she? All right, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, oh, well, I want to bring up something else though. So talking about the characters. Uh, oh, oh, the Great Gatsby. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Raccoon in this near the end of the movie. So it's the big climax. There, you know, they finally set up. You know, group baby group finally sets off a little detonator. They get back on the ship. Rocket leaves behind uh, Peter Quill and uh, yeah. the other guy. I for a second wondered if there were going to be like repercussions from that somehow, character-wise, because he does a kind of dickish thing. Kind of, but I think he expected Yondu to save Peter. Okay. I yeah, mean, that... I, 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 I realized that after the scene was done and then every, they were having the funeral. Yeah. But I was wondering in the moment, is Rocket, do is he, you know, he's doing this thing... Is he doing it because, you know, it's just, well, I have no choice, or is it because I'm still kind of, I don't know. Well, Yandu does straight up tell him, I'm going to sacrifice myself, let me do this for the good of you guys. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it just added a little extra punch of drama. Maybe that's why. Matt. Yes. Uh, the whole group was Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Who are they supposed to They're be? They're supposed to be the original Guardians of the Galaxy. 
the really obscure ones that nobody liked until they made <laughs> the, the reboot Guardians of the Galaxy that were more like Farscape in the early 2000s. So, and those are the people we, those are the characters we know? Those are the characters that you're following in the movies, yeah. Okay. Well, just be thankful, Corey, so, that uh, we don't follow do Sylvester uh, Stallone <laughs> as the main character. You have your ear to the ground. Uh, does, Mar- does Marvel have any plans for these people? I don't people, know. Or? They might show up in the Infinity War, or they might show up in the Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3. You, you don't cast uh. Sylvester Stallone in this if you're not going to bring him back. He's expecting like this to be like a... I'm not going to say a nest egg, but he, he's hoping that now that the Expendables is probably over, that this will be something that he can come back to. Yeah. This doesn't have necessarily to do with the movie. It's just movie career stuff. Okay. Um. Any other spoiler things? I'm trying to think. Um, anything significant? One, uh, one interesting touch is when uh, the ego plants start taking over the universe. All the yeah, different planets yeah. they show are planets with races and aliens we have seen already in the film. Mm. The 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 sovereigns. Yeah. There's a plant on their planet. There are these. Uh, there's another one on Earth we know, duh. Yeah. But it's a lo- it starts at a location we've seen already mm. in the film. Uh, we see like those aliens with the grid like pattern on their face, and there was there have been a few of those in the crew of the Ravagers, and I thought that was a very nice touch because in the end, even though we don't spend a lot of time in these places and perhaps even seconds, we do at least have some sort of visual cue as to who these peoples are. Oh yeah, and it does feel at that moment like this is something that has to be stopped and you kind of feel for those people and the filmmakers also resisted a temptation that maybe a lesser filmmaker might have gone for where you know you're on earth so hey maybe we could show one of the avengers for a moment right. like they could have done that um and you know they're marvel is smart about if they're going to reference another character in their movie like when uh, falcon pops up in ant-man or something, so... Well, there was a Nathan Fillion cameo that was cut, unfortunately, that was going to be on Wasn't Earth. he the voice of Howard the Duck, though? No, that's... Um, Seth Green was Howard the Duck. But oh, actually, okay. But there was a Nathan Fillion cameo. He was going to be playing Simon Williams, and there had a Simon Williams film festival, and he had a whole bunch of movies. Like, he was playing a Tony Stark biopic, and um, Archon... <laughs> and he was also in, like, a, the, the Archon movie adaptation, and, of course, he's... That's also another Avengers in joke because Simon Williams is uh, Wonder Man, but he okay. was, did not make it into the film. But he would have been an Avengers uh, Easter egg had he been there. Well, it'd be nice to finally have these. See, Philly and that's the movies. kind of thing we would have needed you here to explain. Yes. Yes. Well, I had no idea this lead scene. But basically, existed. he wasn't, so you didn't. So all I did was basically tell you people's names during this whole podcast. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> this no, is why we you, keep you, you around. No, you, <laughs> Yes, you're you're the you're the Egon Spengler of the group. <laughs> no, no, you have good opinions. We will deem you Taser Face. Ah! <laughs> yes, that's it's another metaphorical. Very, yes, that was a. Uh, yeah, I just think it was a slightly missed opportunity that they didn't squeeze one more Taser Face joke into. They the, did into squeeze the... an extra one though. No, no, no. I mean, after the last one where the gold lady giggles. I don't know. I, I think, think that they could have done one you more. You could have dipped. They, that might have been dipping a little too much. Maybe. I think that going back to that joke was very funny because uh, of, you know, who the golden people are that even they laugh at them. Yeah. I don't know if you could do it another way to get a better joke out of it, is yeah. what I mean. I'm just saying, I think they might have been able to do it. I don't know. All right. I, I, but, I, I uh, but still, that, that, bit, <laughs> that bit is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Taser. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real character in the comics too. 
right. Do they make fun of him in that? I don't know. I haven't read anything taser facing him. No, there's no uh, big taser face series going on. No, there should be a taser face. You know there's going to be one now, uh, too. There's no major uh, taser face cameo in any upcoming books. Not that I know of, no. I think he actually changed his name, the comic book, sadly, to something more boring than taser face. My name is Tim. (laughs) Something like that. Um... Um, so, Adam Warlock foreshadowing at the end. And he's going to have a gold. Adam Warlock? Gold, he's going to be gold. Oh. He's always gold. Uh, mm. I'll, I don't know. I've only ever seen a representation of him once, and he just looked kind of yellow. Yeah, I have one I have one last little question. Again, this is getting super nitpicky. This is where, like, the picks are in the nit factory or, or something. You don't um, know what a nit is, do you? <laughs> a knit's a tiny little bug like lice. It's like yeah, it's like a louse. All right, then I'm. When you nitpick, you you, you look very finely and yeah, and so you're out. picking the knits out. Like, yeah, so that's the metaphor lice. when you when you're when you're looking at a film so closely. Speaking of metaphors, that the flaws you're finding are actually uh, so tiny that most ego people does not suffer knits to live on him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in one of the post credit scenes, uh, they have a gag where. Um, Star-Lord goes into uh, Groot's bedroom, and now he's teenage Groot. Basically. And he's on his like phone, and he's not listening to things, and his he's just sticks are everywhere, and tree, and, you know, all those things. And I was kind of wondering, so how fast does Groot age? You mean grow? Yeah, grow. Well, age, you, you know. Well, tree, well, it's a living thing, so I guess it would grow, too. Oh, well, that's another ELO song. It's a living thing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, obviously you can assume that the events in this movie take place not too long after the first movie. I mean, but if the whole film is about family, having a, a slight cameo from teenage group fits pretty well. Fair enough. Especially Actually, since they're cradling him towards the end of the... Of the, of the I stand the corrected. Film. I stand corrected. And one of the cutest things that you'll ever see is little baby group on a bed listening to headphones. Ladies... Make sure you make your man buy you a group. That's what I'm doing. That's not a that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do like the, uh, the the insertion of the zoom. That yes, was, yeah. <laughs> that was a really well chosen. That was a really yeah, good choice because you already have something that's dated. Yeah. Um. So, uh, final thoughts. Let's maybe wrap up. Uh, These are the final final thoughts. Final final thoughts on this movie. Uh, yeah, this was awesome. I, I, you know, sometimes people complain about there being too many comic book movies, and they probably have a point, but what Marvel well, Studios cares? does, uh, by and large, is, uh, really worthwhile. Uh, they are, yes, they are, they do have this gigantic franchise that they are building upon. It's, you know, got all these tentacles that I guess are going to come together next year for Infinity War, uh, maybe up to a point. Um... Matt, but but sorry. it's but uh, yeah. Let me just finish my point. Uh, and and but these movies largely represent that these that the filmmakers largely are concerned about having really distinctive characters. Each movie has its own distinctive look. And Guardians and this movie especially, like this is a movie where the climax of the film is a little tiny baby tree taking a bomb into a gigantic brain. Right. <laughs> I just love that. We've done it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll take that over you know generic ass other movies. All right, I, I thought of a flaw that was, was kind of weird. At the end, when Peter Quill is fighting against Ego, 
it becomes kind of a weird punching match. The weird well, that you know what? Li- that was kind of uncreative. It um, was a little bit Man of Steel, but yeah. at least A, it, I did think of that. I did think Man of Steel there. But yeah. I will say, though, it was redeemed by the fact that they both, like, I guess they have it in their ability to not just uh, have powers, I guess. You could say, I don't know quite exactly how it, it comes from inside. It's just one of those things that the movie explains. But Peter is able to manifest himself as Pac-Man. Yeah. And, and but what's great about that, though, is that it's not just a random thing. It's not like something like... It's been set up. Already. Yeah, he mentions earlier in the movie, man, if I'm going to get my own planet, uh, you know, I'm going to have Pac-Mans. I'm going to have all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. And now I want to see a pure cool planet. If you really want your own planet, just become a Mormon. Because after you die, <laughs> you're handed your own planet oh. in the Celestial Kingdom to populate. No way. Maybe this movie... I wonder what Mormons will think of this. Mormons, send Mormons, us an email to wagecinema at yeah. gmail.com. <laughs> Alright, Matt. Um, yeah, David Hasselhoff is in it. So that's cool end credit teaser thing. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Hasselhoff is a little played out. I don't want to see him anymore after this. This is the last yeah. time, I think, for a while. He's, okay. He's kind of a pop culture joke. Yeah. I, I, was, I found him funny when he pops up very briefly, but I'm a little dumb. With pops it. up again in the credits. Yeah. What was the deal with Jeff Goldblum in the credits? I guess he just there as an Easter egg for Thor Ragnarok. Is that the next one? Yes. Okay. You saw him in the trailer for Thor Ragnarok. I know. Okay. Corey? I think I had all my thoughts all already. Right. This movie's awesome. Go see it. Hey, Marvel, put this on the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever home release thing you say. Let's say, The Wages of Cinema says Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is out of this world. Oh! I am Groot. Yes, I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Make sure, Wages of Cinema, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, all the other places. Great voice acting work by Vin Diesel. Yeah. The unsung hero of this film. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If he only stuck to voice work, then he would be, you know, tremendous. Iron Giant, this. Um, You don't want more Fast and Furious movies? You don't want my sequel where the cars come alive? (laughs) Fast and Furious meets the Transformers? Fast and Furious meets Monster Trucks. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that didn't make enough money. I still want to see it. Uh, maybe we'll get someday, Matt. You know what? We, you know that they're both owned by Universal, so you know you're gonna get Fast and the Furious meets Jurassic World. Good. All right. All right. That's must go faster. All right. So Matt the (laughs) so Matt the Catania dot wordpress dot com. Yep. And we're Wage of Cinema, the the Wage of Cinema podcast at Facebook. You can see our posts. We like to post little nice things there, and uh, make sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna we're now in summer, uh, even though it's only May. It's spring summer type thing. Um, it's it's what the season is. Uh, we're gonna be back for King Arthur, Legend of the Sword to the Streets in the Hood. <laughs> I don't know what that movie's gonna be. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>